at SFM Radio and at Stephen Grutus on Twitter. Well, yesterday you heard the chair of the Parliamentary Committee on Education talking about the fact they've adopted the Basic Education Laws Amendment Bill. Now goes to the National Assembly, the National Council of Provinces, and the various different things that it adopts. We spoke yesterday a bit about language policy, but there are other things that come through it. And uh, one of the things is that it does seem to have certain consequences for parents if your child doesn't go to school. You could be held responsible, for example. Catherine Sutherland is a researcher at the Equal Education Law Centre. Catherine, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So there's certain obligations that are going to be placed on parents. They have to make sure that children are at school, which they sort of had to do already. Uh, why are you worried about some of the obligations that will be placed on parents in this bill? Um, as you said, the, the parents and caregivers do have a, a legal obligation to make sure that their children who are of compulsory school-going age are at school. Um, we do know, however, that our basic education sector is in crisis and the quality of education and quality of our schooling environments is not particularly great and poses significant challenges to both parents and learners. So what the Bellable tries to do is it increases the criminalization, so from six months to 12 months um, jail time and a possible fine for parents and caregivers who um, don't allow their, well, don't send their children to school without good reason. And we're concerned that there's a general increase towards uh, or tendency to criminalize parents and caregivers rather than looking at the underlying issues of why children aren't in school in the first place. So, for example, we've had parents who have refused to let their children go to a school where the school infrastructure is so bad that it puts the safety Mm. of their children in danger. And essentially, yeah, so we we were hoping that with the finalization of the billable that the uh, DBE would really try to look at the underlying reasons and address those rather than potentially risking tearing parents and caregivers apart from their children, which is definitely not in the best interest of the child. Sure, this is all about balance, right? I mean, there are some people who don't send their children to school, and we can't allow that. And and I mean, if you look at the history of humanity, one of the greatest things has been compulsory schooling. I mean, it's just made such a change around the world. Um, so you need to do it. Um, But isn't there a lot sort of on that phrase without good reason? I mean, surely, you know, a roof that's going to fall on someone is a good reason. Um, An inability to do it would be a good reason. A fear that the child may be in danger going to school, have to cross a river, for example. That might be a good reason. So I suppose the question really becomes finding the right balance. It is absolutely a question of balance. And I think that's a really important factor to consider. The I think what happens when we put something like this into legislation with su- with such a harsh and punitive sentence is that we don't necessarily know where to find that balance. And the consequence of someone interpreting it to mean this and someone else interpreting it to mean that means that parents and caregivers are going to potentially face severe consequences for something that, you know, one provincial education department might think is actually not very reasonable. For example, in the Eastern Cape, a lot of the school infrastructure backlogs are really quite severe. And so finding a school that's safe and an effective learning environment is quite difficult Mm -hmm. for many, many parents. And so 
at what point do you draw that line? And what we're saying is, yes, you that is a line that absolutely has to be drawn, but there are less, there's a more proportionate way to do it. There's some cases um, around documents. And so when your child goes to a particular school, you have to provide certain documents. Sometimes you have to provide a document that they can be here. They go to school anyway. Um, you also have to provide proof of residence. And this can be important because there are certain schools that parents want to send their children to. And there have been cases, I'm aware of a few, where people have sort of lied about where they live. Now, that obviously would be fraud. Um, but you seem to be concerned about some of these documents and why criminalizing that could be a problem. And yet, I can I can imagine how angry some parents would be if their child can't go to a school they live next door to because someone else lied about where their children live. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think in general, we are concerned about the criminalization aspect because of the consequence of it taking parents and caregivers away from their child, leaving them alone. Um, but we, you know, fraud is is a crime in and of itself. Um, it doesn't necessarily even have to appear in the bail uh, in the the basic education laws amendment bill for it to be a crime. But what we're seeing is essentially when you say you have a list of required documents and in which was what the bail bill does, um, it creates ambiguity around whether learners are able to access schools without those required documents. So on the one hand, you have this piece of legislation that is very much in contradiction to what the courts have said, which is learners are allowed to and must go to school even if they don't have documentation. But if they're saying this, these documents are required, then parents are going to be put in a bit of a corner where to get their learners into school, they may end up having to do something like that, which is obviously not ideal. But given the context that we're in where home affairs backlogs are extreme and it's impossible, well, virtually impossible to get documentation, not only for um, learners and parents who are coming from other countries, but learners and parents who are living here. Um, and then on top of that, I think what we've seen with the online admission system is absolutely parents are um, sending in the wrong address, saying that they live in one area because they don't like the school in theirs which is absolutely, which, which we do not condone. But we also know that family systems and family structures are a little bit more, um, they're not as clear cut as we like to think. So for example, about two years ago, um, the Minister of Education had an issue when she applied online for, I think it was her granddaughter, where she had used an address, but it wasn't her address. And that's because the, her granddaughter wasn't living with her, even though she applied for it. So we learners often don't live with their nuclear families. They can live with aunts and uncles. And when you put criminalization, you, when you put such severe sanctions, it's really, it's, it's again, extremely harsh consequences for something that is so much more nuanced than, than what it can, than what it seems like. Catherine, thank you. Catherine Sutherland is a researcher at the Equal Education Law Centre.